Hi there, Catsuit. Hi there, Nookie. Wait, I wasn't expecting you right now. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to stop by and tell everyone about our event coming up Valentine's weekend. You mean the three-day education and social event focusing in on dating and relationships for kinky folks called the Kinky Dating Something Something and Love Blah 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 event? We've got great speakers lined up, including me. Yeah, also Lexi Silver, Zach Budd, Unruly Nerd Girl, and I'll even be presenting a four-hour workshop. Don't worry, it's in two parts about how to defuckify your dating and create a profile and a life that weeds out what you don't want and attracts what you do. Registration is open now. And the first 500 people get in free, so don't hesitate. Get registered at datingkinky.com slash dating dash love dash event. It's a great opportunity to learn from the people you love about the people you hope to love. I know it's on my Valentine's Day calendar. Chocolates are optional. The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun conversation about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. With questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host. Hi Hello there, there Katsu. And welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, a look into the beginning of traditional and non-traditional relationships from the first impression to the messaging that finally wins people over. My name is John, known to my kink friends as Hi There Katsune, and on this show we will dance our way to delight with a multi-talented woman so full of energy and talent. With specialty skills including aerial, point, fire, poi, and hula hoop, it was only a matter of time before Kitty Cat DeMille ran away and joined the circus. A dancer all her life, Miss DeMille has been practicing the art of striptease since 2012. After getting a start with the Los Angeles-based burlesque troupe, the Dollface Dames, she traveled the country with several nationally touring dance troupes. In 2018, she became a professional cuddler, having worked with clients in cities like Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Portland, South Florida, and the Bay Area. As a performer, Kat has entertained the audiences all over the country, including the Sundance Film Festival, the Beverly Hills Hilton, the world-famous Magic Castle in Hollywood, LA Fashion Week, the Hustler Club in Las Vegas, and the clubs of Bourbon Street in New Orleans. And her work has been featured on or at Bravo TV, BuzzFeed, The Huffington Post, Idiot Test, Thrill List, E! Online, Funny or Die, Verge Magazine, The Daily Mail, and the Funny Women Festival. She is currently the CEO of This Way Adventures, a creative company focusing on symbiology, sensuality, and spirituality. What does this versatile entertainer want in connection? It's time to talk with the kitty cat. It's the first five. 
Time now for the first five. Five questions about firsts. And Kat, the first question I have for you is, the first time you ever flew and what your reaction was to it. The way I got into aerial work um, was I turned 30. I'm, I'm 41 now, but when I turned 30, I noticed that I started getting afraid of heights um, because my mom's afraid of heights. And like, you know, we have a tendency to like hmm. end up in the stories that our parents were in just because of like whatever, you know, context that you grew up with. And I didn't want that to be my story. So I'd always wanted to take an aerial class. So I was like, fuck it, I'll, I'm gonna get some aerial classes for my 30th birthday. And I'd always wanted to climb a rope in gym class. When I was in high school, I was a gymnast, but like I, I, I wasn't a gymnast that did like five or six hours a day. I did dancing. I, I'm a, a huge multitasker. Mm -hmm. So I do a little this and a little of that. And I would like, you know, had a dance background. So I ended up being a gymnast, but I never knew how to climb a rope. And when I took the first aerial class and she taught me how to climb a rope, I was like, dude, why didn't somebody teach me this in high school? Because like, it's, it's really basic <laughs> physics. Like that's the thing is like, as I've uh, evolved into being a pole dancer, like in strip clubs and stuff like that is like, people are always like, that's amazing. And I'm like, it's physics. Like there are static points that hold all of the weight. And like, it, it's true that every art form is, you know, art forms are about the performance level, but they're also about the knowledge. And when you get the knowledge, you're like, dude, that was so simple. Why didn't I learn that earlier, you know? First time you ever got naked in front of an audience? Um, you know, I fucking always loved uh, uh, skinny dipping. Mm -hmm. So, like, I guess you could consider that the first time I got naked in front of an audience. Um, uh, in terms of burlesque, which would be the first time I did it on stage. I had been a performer for quite a long time at that point. But, um, you know, I'd been a dancer and a commercial actress and like a comedian and like did a lot of improv in LA. Mm -hmm. But uh, I ended up getting into burlesque because I saw a breakdown that said, which a, a breakdown for people who don't know is, it's like the classifieds for acting where it's like, we're looking for this. It could mm -hmm. be like, a, we're looking for a blonde between this height and this height and this way and this way, and you need to do these things. And the breakdown that I saw was looking for comedians, aerialists and dancers. And I'm like, shit, I've done all of those things. And then it <laughs> check, was like- for Check a and check. Right, check, 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 check. And it, but it was for a burlesque troupe. And I was like, well, I've never thought about doing burlesque. Like I really hadn't, I'd always been, interested in sexy things but I'd never been like oh I need to be a stripper I need to do this like you know in the way that some people's stories compel them to go that way earlier in life and um I went to the I was like fuck it I'll go to the audition and I went to the audition and I was like this is amazing and then I got in and then I went and saw one of the shows mm -hmm. and this was for when I was in the Dollface Dames when I first started out in burlesque in 2012 mm -hmm and in LA. And then what happened was I was like, this is awesome. And one of the things I love about burlesque is that you um, can be different characters, different personalities. It's it's like, you know, Commedia del Arta kind of stuff where you're like, you can be the ingenue in the mm -hmm. first 
part of the show and then you can be the nominatrix in the second part of the show and I'm a very playful person so I love being different characters I love dressing up like I love having outfits with like accessories and bags and like you know like painting a picture and part of it is also my photography background so I'm like oh like you know my sister and I when we get together we do these photo shoots that like you know are epic because Mm -hmm. it's just the two of us playing but I went and saw the show and I was like this is great these women are so empowered it's so great and then the next day I was like I can't do this I can't take off my clothes in front of somebody like like I wasn't worried about the dancing I wasn't worried about the comedy I wasn't worried about anything other than the fact that I had to be comfortable enough with myself to remove my clothing in front of people And at that point I was like, oh fuck, I really need to do this because this is like, I can see how I'm seizing up, you know? So I was like, okay, let's barrel through and do this. And what is common when you start getting into the world of burlesque, which I've been in for eight years now, Mm -hmm. is that like, you'll see when people get in, a lot of times the girls have these elaborate costumes Um, and they take off a million things. It's like a four minute song and it's like a glove and a glove and a stocking and a stocking and a shoe and a shoe and a shoe and shoe. And then as they become more comfortable with their bodies and the idea of stripping, a lot of times, but not always, but a lot of times they start taking off less things Mm -hmm. because they're willing to own the stage for who they are and the props aren't as important because the props are crutches in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, when I got into dancing at strip clubs, I found that, uh, because I came from an entertainment background, I had a tendency to do a lot of gimmick stuff, kind of like in gypsy, when they say you got to have a gimmick, you know, with the girl with the trumpet. Mm-hmm. So like I would come in and I would do my poi balls or I'd bring in a hula hoop because it would make me different. But like the more you get into the world of strip club, you more you realize it's a mental game. You're not, you know, like that, that's not how you're going to make all of your, any really of your money. You're going to make the money based on like how you can read a room and how much you can authentically be yourself and how it's going to draw people in. Going off the stripper. Yes. First time you received a tip, how much was it and what was your reaction? And how was it delivered? delivered I you know like I that the first day that I ended up stripping was a very interesting day you know I got hired for the day shift at um a pretty big strip club in Las Vegas uh which was Hustler is Hustler um and uh I I uh you know that stripping I always say is like uh, how do I say it? there is there is such a range in stripping mm-hmm. and one of the things about being a stripper is like you have to be and this is really being a stripper just in general is you have to be okay with people and whatever problems they're walking in with when you're working there and you have to be okay with all the people you work with regardless of if their moral imperative is not your moral imperative if that makes sense like you know I I was very clear. I was always like an entertainer, but I wasn't like, you know, into doing others, but like other things, you know, but there are a lot of girls that are, and you kind of have to be okay because you learn what your guidelines are. Like that's really the world of 
in my opinion, sexuality is like, you know, you kind of bounce up on something and you're like, oh, I like that. And then you'll hit something else and you'll be like, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want that experience. That experience doesn't make me happy. And um, when I started in the beginning, uh, I didn't know all of those lessons. Like stripping is one of those industries that like you can only do it if you have a hard shell and you really know who you are. Mm-hmm. And it is in the beginning as a baby stripper, those are the lessons you learn. So like my first day wasn't like, oh my God, I made a thousand dollars, like baller. I mean, I made some <laughs> money. I mean, like, I don't know, like 300, $400 or something, which I thought was great at that point mm-hmm. because like in the world of, you know, in the world of like just somebody handing you cash you're like fuck yeah this is amazing mm-hmm. um but like i really feel like i started to excel in the world of stripping when i understood who i was and really uh, understood like my element in a strip club mm-hmm. like strip strip clubs are very interesting things they're like uh ecological systems mm-hmm. where there's like a little bit of everything like i i also have correlated them to prisons but not in the bad way but, <laughs> but in the way that you're like well you're gonna avoid those people yeah. or you're not gonna hang out with those people or like you know it's and there's like, a top uh, dog and there's an a yeah and, a, and, and like and people also kind of like know their places like um you know i was in the world of like dancing and stripping um which I always call stripping because I was also a professional dancer and I saw the difference. Whereas like people who really are not professional dancers usually call it dancing, right? Like that's a more common thing, or at least that's a thing in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, uh, it's, it, you really, it's, it, I fucking love that job. Like mm. I do, it's, it's one of my favorite jobs. You know, I was um, talking with some friends in Vegas. I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago and we were talking, we were talking and I was just like, not every day, but like the days where the club was just like popping and there were just like hundreds of people looking to have a great time. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a tendency, I also produce events uh, all over the world, like in, not the world, the country, yes. corporately, not during COVID. Mm-hmm. And like, I have, I've always loved concerts. I've always loved like going to Disneyland. I love places where people are happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I feed on happiness. So like those nights where it was popping and it was like money would just be like raining down from the ceiling. You would be like, this is, this is like adult Disneyland, Mm -hmm. you know, and everybody's a different ride. If that makes sense. Some people like the haunted mansion and some people like, you know, Space Mountain and Mm -hmm. some people like the Country Bear Jamboree, but like you kind of have to figure out what kind of ride you are and it takes a while to figure that out. And then like, uh, then like in my opinion, the fun happens Mm -hmm. because, and Vegas stripping is very different from stripping in a city that's about regulars Mm -hmm. because Vegas is about tourism. So, you know, we're a city of 2 million people, but there's about 40 before COVID, of course, but there was about 42 million in visitors a year. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to keep people as, you know, like girls would have regulars, but it would be like, you know, when the big conventions were in town and there were 200,000 people in town for CESD, it's like, you know, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. I remember um, I worked a, 
I, uh, I worked a weekend where it was, oh God, what's that called? Uh, Defcom. Defcom is, Defcom, for anyone who doesn't know, is uh, the hackers convention Mm -hmm. that they have in Las Vegas. And that week they tell all the girls, all the girls in the lockers are like, don't use an ATM because all the hackers have hacked the ATMs (laughs) on the strip. Like there's all these things that like, they're like, don't do this, don't do that. And, um, uh, we, I was at this party that uh, John uh, McAvee, who's the guy at McAvee, McAvee Software. Yes. Yes. And it, it, apparently this guy's like a very interesting guy. He like maybe killed somebody. Like, <laughs> like I, I, it's, yeah. So he this threw this. on Netflix. <laughs> I mean, like I, I, you would have to look it up, but like that guy in itself is a very mm-hmm. interesting it was, it's either him or like the Norton guy, one of the two, which, which is so, so horrible that I just accused somebody of murder. And like, I'm like, I don't even know your name. Like, like, Oh, just, just don't listen to my hearsay. Just take everything with a grain of salt. Um, because I'm a stripper. So you can't trust anything I say anyway. (laughs) It's just totally true. No, it's not at all. I'm like one of the most honest people I know. Uh, but uh, he rented up the top floor and it just was like, in, it was so fascinating because uh, DEFCOM is for hackers and they're hackers from all over the world and they have a badge. And the year that I worked, they had a badge that was shaped like the uh, T2000 from Terminator 2. And it was a switchboard that was a badge. And like, if you pressed certain buttons on it, cause it lit up, if you did the um, the Nintendo thing, which is the left, left, right, right, up, down, up, down, which I I don't, I'm wasn't a huge up, gamer, up, down, so down, yeah, yeah, but you know what it you know what I'm talking about. So uh, it would give you like there were clues, and if you solved all the clues at the end of it, you got to go to DefCon for the rest of your life. So the night we were having the party. That was one of the things I was asking everybody questions. I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, I'm like, have you solved the clue? And I, throughout the night, like I kept meeting people who had gotten further. So by like the end of my shift at 5.30, you know, the guy was like, oh yeah, it turned out that the, um, the lanyards were all different lanyards and you took all four of them and then there was a secret fifth one and you put them together. It created like the next uh, you would like lay them out and strip and it would creep. And I was like, what? And, you know, and at the end of the day, I'm like a super nerdy girl. Mm-hmm. So, um, which I'm sure is apparent at this point. Um, no, we didn't notice. I, like get out of town, get out of fucking town. Um, but I'm like a super nerdy girl. And like, in terms of like uh, the people that I connected best with client wise, you know, nerdy guys are like way up my alley. So like, this was Christmas that night for me. I was like, oh my God, this is the most amazing night ever. Like, you know, because everyone's like, oh, I love this nerdy girl. Let me first time you ever had a man approach you in an unsolicited manner wanting sex from you or something that was inappropriate, whether it be professionally or personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'll go with like the stripper story. Um, and you know, like the thing about uh, going back to what I was saying before is like, it's so important to recognize like the, even though like uh, these were my morals, mm-hmm. it's okay that everybody else has different moral systems. Right. Like, you know, I'm not putting my nose down on people who are doing whatever they're doing just because like, you know, that's their story. And like, I really don't feel like, 
I don't, you know, we're, we're all based within a certain moral system that we grew up in, but like, I really am big on free will and everybody's welcome to do whatever they want, you know, as long as it doesn't infringe on whatever freedom I need at that moment. Like, um, I, 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 you know, I did get approached multiple times and like it, there were nights where like, it would just be pimps and their girls. And like, and they thought they would always say everybody, you know, how do I say this? My line, I knew my line, you know, very quickly working at a strip club within like a couple months, I was like, this is acceptable. That's not acceptable. And these are my lines. And it almost became like a game when people would approach me in regards to this, where people would be like, oh, I'm going to pay you some money and you're going to do this. And I'm like, no, I'm not because like, I know who I am and I don't want to do that. And like, you know, you would get those people like, uh, there, you know, and I almost prided myself on it. I was like, I turned down X amount of dollars, <laughs> you know, because like I was offered, you know, you get like a hedge fund guy or a Silicon Valley guy and they're like, oh, I can buy you. And I was like, no, you can't because I know who I am. Mm -hmm. And like, that's not on my plate. Gotcha. But there, you know, it's, it's, I, I remember there was one night there was a guy who was like a very sweet guy. He was like, basketball player um you know for like some college in the midwest and he was still in college and he was marrying like his college sweetheart <laughs> and like i mean like they were just super adorable like corn fed kind of people and it was like three in the morning he's like oh, i love you you know when they fall in love with right. you, they're like oh, i love you you're the love of my life and he's like oh but it's the end of the night i don't have the money you know and like his friends were like oh well let's pull the money together so we can get you like 15 minutes or whatever and and then like he came back a little bit later in the night and he's like i got the money and i'm like great like that's great like let's do it we'll have a fun time and he's like, okay. He's like, you're going to blow me. Right. And oh, I'm geez. like, no. <laughs> and it was like, it was like for $140. Like that's yeah, the funny no. part. Like that in his mind, he thought that this was like the thing. And mm -hmm. I was like, uh, and I'm just like, no, like I'm, I'm not, you know, but like, if you like really need that, you can try and find it. Like, you know, like, but it's not me. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's it you know it, it fringe is very funny it, it really is because it's like we've gotten far we we come to the edges and we're like oh i'm so advanced but like you're only advanced as like the moment you think you're advanced you're judging everybody else mm -hmm. i'm very lucky with the experiences that i've had that i've gotten to share the time that i have and like i really have walked away from like some of the most, um, I always say that people are very honest in strip clubs, that uh, they'll tell things to you that they would never tell other places. Um, just because you're a nameless person that like, you know, you're a bartender, you're a hairstylist, you just, you're, you're a tarot card reader, you're just doing, you're just giving somebody a lap dance and listening to their stories. I asked this question of many of my guests. Mm -hmm. First time you knew you were a little bit different. I was always different. I mean, I just was, I, I was always different 
because I couldn't seem to relate to the people I wanted as I wanted to relate to them. Um, even today, like I feel, you know, I'm, I'm a genuinely happy person and I feel bad that so many people are not happy. Um, because life is supposed to be fun. And I feel like a lot of people forgot that along the way. Mm. Um, and you know, to some degree, I feel like that's my life is kind of helping remind people that life is supposed to be fun in one way or another. And it comes in a lot of different ways, comes in performing burlesque, it comes in like stripping, it comes in producing events, writing books, like, you know, I'm also a photographer. Like I said, I get very bored. I'm an energy healer. I do tarot. Uh, I've worked with like a psychic online company for almost eight years now. So I just like helping people mm -hmm. and I like learning about myself through helping people. But it's you, you have to see your story and have empathy for people, mm -hmm. but you have to be okay with being who you are. Like, I feel like so much of life is not giving a fuck what other people think, you know, and it's, it's hard because we all have programming that makes us want to be the good girl or boy, but like, there are other things about us that really want to get expressed out. Um, so I, I never felt whole, but it gave me the pleasure. Uh, what is it? The, I guess, I guess the pleasure, the opportunity to play within the edges and not be worried. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I am a vanilla looking girl. I'm like, you know, I look like I should be like a <laughs> sorority lady. Um, you know, But like, I have a tendency to play in some like very woo woo, interesting areas that you know, I go to like Burning Man every year mm -hmm. and like, those are all, we're all misfits. We're all like, yeah, fuck <laughs> yeah. We're going to spend two weeks in the desert and pretend to be a donkey or like whatever, whatever need you need to like help you mm -hmm. get by. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets Fifty Shades of Grey. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. This is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Presented by Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. Let's do some quick hits here. Yeah. Uh, so just quick questions, quick answers. Biggest turn-ons. Clarity. Absolutely clarity. Someone who knows who they are and knows what they want and can communicate it properly. And then being able to dance within that knowledge of the clarity. Biggest turn-offs. Uh, insecurity, 
um, uh, ineffective communication. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, communication is key because like if you're gonna have any kind of relationship with somebody, they need to communicate effectively, whatever works for you. But like the more you can just be clear, the more you're being yourself and they're being themselves so that you're having the most, most authentic interaction possible. How can a man surprise you in a good way? Uh, I really love it when there's legwork involved. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of seduction. I'm, I, you know, physicality gets very boring for me if there's no context to it. So I'm just not that really kind of person. Like I need someone who has done some research and figured out what I like, what I don't like, you know, who is tailoring whatever dating experience that might or might not end up physically for me. Mm -hmm. Like the legwork is like, I fucking love seduction <laughs> because like it's, it's, it, it, it takes it. And, you know, like a lot of times these days, like, I feel like people go so physically so quickly mm -hmm. and I'm like, you're missing all the fun along the way. You know, it's for me at least. I understand something that, that a man can do to surprise you. That is not good. A lie. Um, I'm a pretty good judge of character, but like, you know, when I fall for somebody, of course you end up justifying certain situations. Um, and I pride myself on clear communication in relationships. Um, I, and I, I mean, it's, you know, it is a learning. That's why we have relationships. Nobody is going to be hundred percent honest in a relationship, but like the more you can be clear on what you want and what you don't want and are willing to express it, the better off you're going to be in a relationship with, which is like so many people, you look at them and uh, you, you, you can tell that they want to say things to their mate, but they're not. And the reason I know that also is because like, I'm, I'm the, the guy's chick, so I have a lot of guy friends. I talk to them and they, you know, I'm the sounding board. I'm the single girl for the sounding board for my married friends. And I'm like, why don't you just tell them what you want? And they're like, no, I can't do that. And I'm like, well, then you're never going to get what you want because you have to learn to communicate it if you're going to try and get what you want. You know, you've gotten those messages you just have to talk about. So now we will. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. What are the things that you look for in an initial message from a guy that wants to start a relationship with you? Creativity. Creativity, because I truly do believe the creativity is like intrinsically uh, um, tied to sexuality that they really are like, you know, the yin and the yang mm -hmm. to the same thing. And uh, creativity means that once again, they're doing the legwork. They're do like, you know, 
I don't really online date, but I like someone who notices a detail about my life and focuses in on it. You know, if I'm wearing a t-shirt that has the Legends of Zelda on it, like you can tell, you can tell from that t-shirt that I'm like a super nerdy girl. Like, you know, I love adventure stuff. Like I love that concept of what the Legend of Zelda was when we were little kids mm -hmm. and we played that game. So like, that's a really easy tell. And I think some of this also comes from being a stripper because when you're a stripper, you size everybody up so quickly. Mm -hmm. So I have a tendency to uh, attract very smart guys and I love a smart, funny guy that's able to read, read a situation and be 10 steps ahead. That's, that's sexy to me. Being, being able to see the moves and be ahead and doing it in a way that is really, you know, service to others in that situation. Can you give me an example of a message that's come to you that just really impressed you? When I have dated online and when people say hello, I'm like, oh God, why? Why are you, that is the most generic opening in the world. Like, look at my pictures, see something about me, you know, like make a comment, be like, oh, I see you like hiking. You know, that's an opener that's going to go somewhere where it's like, hello. Then the next thing you say is, hello, what's up? Like, you know, it's it's so boring. And it's like the stuff that really excites me is someone who like will open with a joke and has got me laughing within like two or three lines because like that's what I want. I want someone to entertain me. I want someone to make me feel good about myself because really like that's you know, there, there are two sides to relationship was one is learning lessons and the other is feeling good and you need both of them. Right. Which is like, you're going to learn lessons, but like, you're not going to, you shouldn't stay with the person who's a dick. You should, you have to like intrinsically pick the lessons that are going to make you feel good. Mm -hmm. They'll make you expand. You want, you want, you really, really, I, at this point in my life, I only want mates that are going to elevate me. And I'm totally down with open relationships. I am down with like open communication. Like I don't need to tie you down in any of the ways that like perhaps might be, people might feel locked in, mm -hmm. in other relationships, but I need you to be the best version of yourself because the only reason I want to be with someone is because they're bringing out the best version of me and I'm bringing out the best version of them. Because otherwise, what's the point of us being together? You brought up something very interesting in the fact that you said open relationships don't scare you. That seems yeah. to be something that is more and more regarded as the norm these days. And I don't know if it's because we're moving away from marriage or if the new generation is realizing that there's not such a thing as a finite amount of love, that you can have love for many different people. What puts you into that mindset where you're like, maybe I'm not a one man woman, maybe I can enjoy myself and discover what I want. I am a lover of people. Like I am, like I love falling in love with people. And I don't even mean like romantic relationships. Like I love like learning a story and being like, oh, did you hear about this artist and they're doing this project and it's so cool. And like, that's that person's story. And like, 
I get to experience it a little bit for a little while, right? Like I, maybe I watch a TV show, maybe someday I meet that artist, but like, that's the little part of the story that I get. And that's what I'm meant to get. Um, I like to flip around. I like to be different personalities. I like to be, you know, like I'm like psychic Selena on psychic elements. I'm Kitty Gacta Mill when I do burlesque. I've been like a million different stripper names over the years. Like I'm Catherine Thomas to the IRS. I'm Cat Thomas, like when I'm running my corporation. Like, but they're all different aspects of me. Not one isn't good or bad. They're just what I need. And, you know, I was in a relationship uh, a while ago and I, I got to, we both got to the point where we were opening it up and it wasn't perfect. It was, I feel like the thing about open relationships is it's much easier when you both come in with an open relationship once you've done it, Mm -hmm. which is like, if you're in a relationship for a while and you're like, we should open the relationship up. That's usually a sign that relationships not going great. Whereas like, maybe you learn your lessons and then like the next relationship you're in and you're like, okay, I want to open relationship, but it's a different context because you've established the ground rules from the beginning mm-hmm. versus changing them halfway through. Um, so I just find that like with that, like uh, we were in, uh, you know, my ex-boyfriend, we were in Amsterdam and uh, we went to a museum and I love museums. Like I love like art. I wrote a, I wrote a book that said it an art museum mm-hmm. and um he hated it. He hated it. All he wanted to do was look at the swords. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't want to look at the art. He's not, you know, he just wasn't that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And I came back and I got like really clear and I was like, what's wrong with um, using him for the stuff that he's great at and using somebody else for the stuff that they're great at? And then I'm getting the, I'm not trying to fit him into a mold, Mm -hmm. which I don't want to do. Like, I don't want you to fit in my mold that was predetermined from movies I watched and my parents' family dynamic and all of those things that program us into certain stuff. I want you to be who you are authentically and for me to really get a chance to appreciate that. And I don't want to feel limited because I might appreciate one person on one day and one person on the other day. Like loving too much is never the problem, Mm -hmm. you know, but like people who haven't been taught to be in that dynamic, like when they start realizing that like, maybe they like two guys at the same time, or maybe like they, you know, like a guy and a girl and another girl. But like, if you've been, brought up with monogamy and like this idea that like getting married is the end game, mm-hmm. which it isn't not that I've been married, but I have enough married friends that like, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the sounding board for them. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, you know, nothing is gonna be the thing that's going to solve your life. You just have to be you and learn your lessons along the way. Kat, is it fun to be single? Well, it's very interesting during COVID. <laughs> I, I mean, like I, I kind of have just taken myself out of the game during this time period um, because it's so energetically crazy. You know, um, my producing partner, Julia Reed Nichols, who I run the GLD with and she started found pinups on tour. Mm-hmm. She's been dating and we have this podcast called Better Than Sex. And, you know, she said a few months ago how 
everything's heightened during COVID. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was anxious to begin with, they're super anxious because it's like, it's a big magnifying glass. And Mm -hmm. I just was like, I don't, I don't need to be part of that. Like, I'm very happy. I have a vibrator. Like I can take care of myself. (laughs) Like, you know, I'd rather just like spend the time with the people I love that like are not crazy because there's so many crazy things going on right now. And I understand like, you know, if you didn't have your shit together before COVID, COVID is like this crazy mirror that's showing you, you know, if, if you are unhappy in your marriage and you have to spend every day with the wife or the husband that you're not happy with, like, or, you know, if you're at a job you hate and now because of COVID, you're like, feel like you're locked into it. It's, it's one of those things that you just got to figure out what works for you. And right now being, being alone is the best thing for me and not being lonely. Mm. How do you differentiate between the two? And when you start to feel lonely, how do you solve that? Asking for a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say overall, I mean, this is going to sound super cheesy, but meditation mm. is amazing. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time in the energy healing community and I, I study with teachers and I really focus on what is the best version of being a human being. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is not implying not implementing your own belief systems on something that hasn't actually happened Mm -hmm. yet. Right. You know, we only think we're lonely because we've told a story of ourselves that we need to be with somebody. Because if you hadn't grown up on a planet where like people are like, you have to be with somebody, you would be okay with being alone. Mm -hmm. But it's because we've built this context that makes you think you're like, you're lonely. And usually the person energetically who's lonely is not going to find someone mm-hmm. because the only per, the only time you really find people is when you think you're the fucking shit mm. because you think you're amazing you're bringing in energetically the people who think you're amazing but you have to get to that point where you're okay being who you are and like alone with who you are you know it's like it's been, it's kind of like being a monk but like you're not being a monk for cel- celibacy you're being a monk like I, I kind of decided early into COVID that I wasn't going to spend this time falling in love with more in myself, like, you know, because that's really all I could do, um, which is not everybody's take, but it's my take because I'd rather bring in the best mirror of myself, you know, best mirror relationship again, than like be like, oh, I need to find someone, mm-hmm. you know, I, I knew I, I was talking to somebody last week and they were like, oh, she's my COVID girlfriend, like that she <laughs> might, she might not be there when COVID is done with. And I was like, uh. Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Allison Ash, trauma-informed sex and intimacy coach and educator and the founder of TurnOn.Love. And I teach a wide range of workshops and courses on topics including flirting and seduction, deepening emotional intimacy, expanding pleasure, exploring fantasies, repairing ruptures in relationships, navigating non-monogamy, and more. And I work with individuals and couples in a coaching dynamic to support them in getting out of their heads and into their bodies and navigating challenges like erectile dysfunction and anorgasmia to help men figure out how to express their desires in ways that feel authentic and not let opportunities pass by any longer, to help women explore what they want and really advocate for it in their relationships, and to support couples in getting the spark back and in exploring non-monogamy if you want to open up your relationship. To explore all this and more, you can check out my website at www.turnon.love. And don't forget to listen to my episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It's in the archives wherever you listen to your podcast. And hi, all the listeners out there. I actually have no idea what these questions are, so you're going to be coming along the ride, right along with me. There's only one. Midori. March 9th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. You're so creative in so many ways. Does someone have to be creative to keep up with you? Yes, but creativity can come in the form of intelligence. Uh, like, uh, like I have a tendency to bring in a lot of really smart military guys and I seem <laughs> to bring in a lot of the military intelligence kind of people. Like who are the playful people in the military? Let's be serious. Like, you know, the ones that are like, I'm gonna play a spy, you know? Like that's a, that's a life you cho choose in some way. Um, but they are like, in my opinion, like the most playful. I, I, I really, you know, I am a, uh, what they call it a sapiosabian, mm -hmm. which is, uh, which is like, you're attracted to smarts yes. and usually the way to figure out who's the smartest person in the room is that they're the funniest person in the room. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. It is. It's true. It's true. And like, we are biologically programmed to sort for that because you know like it's it's why everybody says i want sense of humor at the top of their list mm -hmm. you want sense of humor because biologically you want the person who back in the day uh would run away in zigzags from the woolly mammoth because they realized that if they ran in zigzags they were fine but that needs intelligence because otherwise that person would die and one of the easiest ways to figure out who's the smartest person in the room is to figure out who's the funniest person in the room so Kat, one of the things that I did want to talk about, and this is where we kind of get into the ugly part of things, is a lot of dominatrixes that I've talked to, uh, the fetish models that I've talked to, they are seen as objects. Mm -hmm. And as a stripper, or even as a burlesque dancer, Meh. there is the possibility of you being seen as an object. How do you deal with that in your own mindset and why is that wrong for people to do well i mean uh like it's i don't know if it's wrong um you know like you kind of so here's the thing i always say is that you're really just playing a role 
in whatever story somebody's bringing you in to play the role of, right? Mm -hmm. Like they have, especially when you get into stuff like stripping, right? Like they have come into, like I always said, like people, people walk through the strip club because they're looking for a specific thing that they're not getting in their real life. So they're walking in through these doors, which are a fantasy land Mm -hmm. to some degree in the way that Burning Man is also a fantasy land because you get to play a, you know, a donkey or a peacock or whatever role you want to be at Burning Man. But like, if you did that in the real world, people would be like, oh, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same way at a strip club. Like there are rules, there are boundaries, right? Like there are things that are acceptable for a guy to touch and not touch or a girl to touch and not touch. Usually the girls don't know the rules. Why the guys know the rules? Because they've gone to the strip clubs. (laughs) It's so true. Like every time I was on stage performing and I felt the most violated, it was a girl that was touching me. Wow. Because- because they hadn't been to a strip club. They were usually the girls like in a group of a bachelorette party who are like, oh, we're going to get drunk Vegas. We're going to do this and that. And they end up at a strip club. Mm. Maybe they go to the Chippendales section of the club I was working at. And then they would end up on the regular floor, which was, you know, usually geared more towards the male Mm -hmm. side of things. And like girls would like just stick their fingers up my vagina and be like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, you're, no, you're not allowed to do this. But like, they, unlike a guy who's been going to strip club for like 15 years and they know like what they can get away with and what they can't get away with. Like, you know, they've learned the rules. Whereas like a lot of times the girls have not learned the rules. Um, But that's an aside. You were talking about uh, being an object and like, it's like, uh, you know, I'm going to say this wrong, but like Shakespeare has this thing where it's like all the world is a stage and you're just actors coming and going. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, it's really true. And uh, the best situations like as a stripper I have found is when uh, my personality caters to whatever you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. Um, where it's like, I don't need to impose who I am as a person onto you. I'm just going to become a vessel of what you need in this situation Mm -hmm. within my moral boundaries. Right. Which is like, you know, goes back to like, you know, we're going to hit certain constraints that are my personality. And I'm going to be like, uh, uh, we're not going to do that. Right. Like whatever that is. So it's it's yeah i'm it's almost like i'm okay with being an object in your story because that's what you need right you've come in looking for that and i can be that person for that time i don't need you to find out my tales because that's not what this relationship's about and if it if it was to evolve like i have a lot of friends that i have met at strip clubs over the years that like I you know like we follow each other on Instagram or you know we text each other or whatever and there's different levels to that depending on who that is but those people are the special people those are the people who have done the legwork like we talked about before to know who I am to be allowed into my real life versus like the fantasy life that you're getting when you're walking through the doors of like a strip club. We have only touched on some of the things that you've done in life. <laughs> what would you like to talk about that you want people to know about as we get ready to bring this podcast to a close? 
Sure. Um, well, you know, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to, I do do the Better Than Sex with Julia Reed Nichols, my producing partner. Um, we have a, you know, they're just all different forums to discuss something that I just think should be just normal. Like we shouldn't, I don't want the reaction. Like people, you, some people you bring up sex and it's like, <gasps> and you're just like oh, it's just like a fucking bodily function. Like get over it. Like it's, it, you know, we put so much on it that doesn't need to be there. Um, another thing I would love to briefly talk about is the world of professional cuddling. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that's an interesting uh, forum that has, uh, you know, I joined the world, I became a platonic professional cuddler in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing it for a couple of years. I've done it all over the country. Uh, it was an add-on to me traveling around for my other jobs. So, I, you know, I've done it in Portland, I've done it in Las Vegas, I've done it in Los Angeles, South Florida, the Bay Area. Um, and cuddling is different than stripping. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times sexuality is about power. Whereas like when you get into cuddling, you're talking about love. You're mm-hmm. talking about people that just need to be recognized and seen for who they are. Um, I, a safe place. A safe place, yes. And I got into, the first time I saw cuddling, I was a burning man and I walked into a tent and it was a cuddle puddle. It was like a giant circus tent with like blankets and pillows and like you could go in and cuddle with like whoever you wanted like you know in a platonic way and I was like this is great this is like we're six again Mm -hmm. you know and uh the thing I I about all of the stuff that I do is that like I really believe in touch therapy like stripping and Stripping might be about power and cuddling might be more about love, but they're both about touch, which is that so many people, especially in America, do not get touched enough. Like, you know, we have this thing where we feel like we're individuals and we're not, we're part of a bigger system. And one of the easiest ways for people to feel like they're part of a bigger system is for another person to touch them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the hug, it's like, you know, you're touching them on the arm if you want to get into like neuro-linguistic programming kind of stuff um it's you know uh, giving a lap dance. they're all just ways to kind of be like i'm a human being and you're a human being and we're going to touch and we're going to connect on this physical level um but there's so much information that's uh imparted with the actual contact that's non-intellectual, like the serotonin levels and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like you get so much from it. Um, So I really like talking about professional cuddling because I wanna make it more mainstream. I want people to recognize this in the way that they recognize getting a massage is going to, you know, help your fascia and your muscles. Cuddling really has so many benefits to it. It's, Whenever I booked a session with a client, I had a two hour requirement because I took about 40 minutes for everybody to shut the fuck up and just chill out. So I, that's one of the reasons why I always said you have to do two hours with me because like you just, it's, it's like we all just kind of like just stop talking and we're just like, <sighs> everything's okay, everything's fine not as big a deal as we're making it out to be it's so true it's just life it's just a game let's just have fun i feel like we barely scratched the surface with you 
and I hope to uh, be able to catch up with you at a later date. But yeah, absolutely. absolutely wonderful experience to meet somebody who is more on the vanilla side. Yeah, uh, I mean, yes. <laughs> that, uh, than we have talked to before. And that's great because I'd like to be able to get all voices in here. But I think you bring such a unique voice in all the different things that you do. And I really appreciate you being on the show with me today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you having these kind of shows because it makes it more normal. You know, it's like at some point kink shouldn't exist, right? It should just be like, these are your sexual preferences and we're not going to put any kind of label on it. It's just like, these are things you like. Um, but like for that to happen, you have to standardize it. You have to make it normal. You have to make not scary because that's one of the things about sexuality is a lot of people find it scary and it's not, it's one of the most natural things in the world. Your body is like your number one instrument. So you better learn and love it and really get to know it because in doing so the world opens up. So it's very exciting that you're doing these kind of shows where you're letting people kind of like behind the curtain to see stuff. I'm always amazed when people have energy like that, and I love the interviews when we talk about so much more than we plan. If you like this episode, make sure you go back and check out some of our other shows, including amazing interviews with Casey Carter, Lexi Silver, Jane Boone, and best-selling author Cleo Stiller. And if you will do us the favor of subscribing and giving us a review, that will make you a wonderful human to us. And if you want to reach out to me personally, it's easy as an email to john at datingkinky.com. That's john at datingkinky.com. Next week, it's a show unlike any other we've ever done as we talk to Chris and Casey, the hosts of the podcast, slip into something uncomfortable when we talk about more than connection and discover that even when we think we know things, there are more important things that we might miss that will make all the difference. Please tell your friends about this one as it will definitely open your eyes. And that brings to a close this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I'm John, or hi there, Katsu, to my friends. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and am reminding you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Done Differently.